Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast, everybody. I'm Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in New Mexico, get together once a month. Because I guess we're going to do this once a month now. We've got a set schedule, I think. Yes. So, hello everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We've got a fun one for you. We do have a fun one for you. This is a pretty exciting episode. What's our topic today? We're doing our favorite films of 2016. And Eric didn't want to do a top five. He wanted to do... A top 10. A top 10. I just thought that there were so many good movies this year. So we're pretty excited to do this uh, episode of the podcast. It's kind of a big one. It's episode number 11, which is weird. Our last uh, top 10 list was our very first episode. So uh, before we get to our topic, we're going to do what we've been watching, which might be rather short today because... uh, Because we've got a longer list this time. That's right. But first, how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. What about yourself? Survive oh, the holidays? We survived the holidays, I think. We did. I did. Because you know how much work I had to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric, like we said, works for USPS. So he had a rather long holiday season. Is that right? You know, when I look back at it, though, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> right. Easy uh, made it. We uh, actually work for a hotel. So our holiday season was completely insane as well. I think your job's probably a little more insane, but um, hotels, man, we were full. Yeah, I believe it. Um, and I guess, you know, I watched a ton of Christmas horror that we talked about on the episode. I yep. think, I think I watched my entire top five after, uh, we recorded that episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was awesome. And, uh, did you have a good Christmas? I did. Uh, what was exciting was on New Year's Eve, I showed Silent Night, Deadly Night to a few people who had never seen it. And what did they think? And, uh, I hope I generated some new fans of the film. Well, I hope so too. And it was also fun just watching it with an audience that had never seen it. Did you show them uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? I did not. Well, you should. Maybe next year. I told them what we should do every year is watch a new sequel. Yeah. And I've never seen 3, 4, or 5. I want that box set really bad. But this isn't our Christmas episode. So, you know, uh, did you have a good New Year? Uh, It kind of (laughs) sucked. I spent the majority of it alone. It was pretty pretty low key. That's that's new for you. What about yours? Uh, My New Year was actually great. I had a great New Year. Hello, Wes. Hello, my brother, Ben. And hello... Uh, no one else is listening, but wait, we there's have, more. Apparently people do listen to our podcast because we actually got quite a few people talking to us and I guess we'll do our shout outs now. Sure. Um, we got a lot of people hit us up and, uh, one of them was at the horror nerd, Brian on Twitter. And, uh, he, he, he just sent us a tweet that simply said, Hey, every episode you guys say, no one listens to your podcast. I just wanted to let you know I'm a listener. And Brian, I wanted to let you know that I told Keegan. We can't say that anymore. So maybe from now on, I won't say no one listens to the podcast, but we like to say that just to just to poke fun at ourselves because yes. we're trying not to take it too seriously. Because now there's like three people who listen to us. Having said that, thank you at the horror nerd. Uh, his name is Brian. Thank you so much for hitting us up on Twitter. Our Twitter is uh, at Ghoul Squad FM. So if you want to hit us up, tell us you're a listener. That would be awesome. And uh, he sent us his top five list, but we'll, I'll, I'll read that when we get to uh, our top tens. We also have uh, at Shane Saw Massacre. His name's Shane. And at Shane Saw Massacre told us on uh, Instagram. He, he actually tagged us on Instagram. Okay. And said that he bought uh, Blu-rays based on our recommendations on the podcast, which so, is kind of insane to me. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really weird that like just dumb stuff we say in your kitchen 
Yes. On top of NECA boxes. Yes. On washcloths. Yes. <laughs> Currently um, rocking a mini mouse washcloth. Right. Uh, we use washcloths to keep our, our mics mic still. Our mic. <laughs> These are our mic stands. Um, but anyway, Shane saw Massacre. He, he said he, he bought um, Blu-rays based on our recommendations. And I think it was Let Me In and... Was Scream 4 one of them? I think so. But anyways, I mean, was, we just... We think that's the coolest thing ever. I immediately sent a picture to um, Eric of... Uh, your picture, Mr. At Shane's on Masker, Shane. And uh, we are very excited. Yes. So I know it may seem small, but, you know, we think that's awesome. So thank you so much, Shane. Definitely. That's really awesome. just like any interaction is tight. Right. And so we also had uh, the last one for now. Melissa Begg on Twitter hit us up and, and was excited that we were talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. That it was an honorable mention from us. And uh, she was excited that Eric was wearing a Garbage Day t-shirt uh, in our picture for the episode. And then she told us that we have a new listener. So thank you, Melissa. That's awesome. Very sick. Also, our normal shout-outs to Hellmouth Kid. Yes. Josh Goes to Hell. Josh Goes to Hell. Wes. Hello, Wes. Wes. Hello, Andrew, if he's listening. Thank you for your podcast equipment. And uh, hello, Film Fed. Yes. I think we're good on our shout-outs. you get them all. So if you want a shout-out, hit us up anywhere. We'll try to shout you out on the podcast. We, we just want to talk to people, so... We're, we feel like we've made a lot of friends on Instagram and Twitter so far, so we're, we we hope the conversation continues. Absolutely. Well, Eric. Yes? What have you been watching lately? So on New Year's Eve, I watched uh, The Driller Killer, uh, Abel Fierras, and I feel like this is one of those movies that I would just always see, maybe read about, never seen it, uh, Arrow put out the blue, and uh, I thought it was interesting that you didn't care about it. Well, it, I, it was one that I really wanted to get, but for whatever reason, I just I just didn't pick it up. I spent money on a ton of other stuff. That's the thing. You're just always like, you're the latest right, with the blues. So anyways, I was excited to, to watch it. And uh, I guess what I was expecting, I got, I got maybe even more of. I was expecting like just like a sleazy like slasher, right? Right. But I was surprised at how like kind of like artsy the film was. And I guess it's just because Abel Fierro is like super, I don't know. I think he's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. Um, between The Driller Killer, Miss 45, King of New York, and Bad Lieutenant, like, he's a hell of a filmmaker. And I was so happy to finally get to see The Driller Killer. I heard there was only, like, one good gore shot in the movie, and it was that drill kill. Is that true? Uh, I'm going to say there's two okay. uh, good gore shots. Are they good enough for the whole movie, or? They're not. They're not, okay. They're, they're a little uh, infrequent, so I would have enjoyed that more. But was the movie good? Would you recommend it to me, for instance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to see it. I wanted to get that steelbook. I saw you got it mm-hmm. from Arrow, but um, I just didn't. I bought a ton of other stuff for Christmas, like Black Christmas, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that it for Driller Killer? Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because perfect transition. I got the Black Christmas Blu-ray from Scream Factory, which came out uh, after our last episode. And this Blu-ray is completely insane. It just made me like appreciate the movie on an even higher level. Mm-hmm. Last time I had seen Black Christmas was quite a long time ago, and um, it was on the DVD, and uh, it did not look very good. Um, this Blu-ray looks insane. You gave me a copy on DVD, right? Years ago? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. I still have it. What, what was this, like 2006? Probably even earlier. Well, anyways, yeah, this, this Blu-ray from Scream Factory of Black Christmas is like made me appreciate the movie on a whole new level. Can I bring up a little side note on Black Christmas? E- Easy's got his finger up. Yep. Okay, so everybody complained about the cover, the Scream Factory cover. Uh-huh. That shot is in the movie where it's like Billy 
and he's like holding i don't know what the he's unicorn holding thing yeah and it's just part of his face is right. blackened out except for one of his eyes like why, why did everybody have a fit about that that's in the film i think they were upset about it because it's a spoiler i think they were upset because it was a spoiler I thought people were upset because it was like revealing who the killer is or some something like that. But I mean, I have no that idea. shot's in the film. Well, I love the cover. I also love that the reverse art of the Blu-ray under that that cover is is the original cover art with just the the chick uh, in the rocking chair with the plastic bag on her head. Mm-hmm. Fantastic image, love that. And yeah, like I said, the Blu-ray just gave me a new appreciation for the movie. I watched it with my brother and his girlfriend. My brother had seen it; his girlfriend had not. She's not a big horror fan. And uh, she thought it was awesome. She thought it was scary. She said she went to bed that night scared. So that's cool. You know, Black Christmas still works. Right. And yeah, like everything about the movie is just, you know, incredible. I guess I'll keep it. I'll keep it short on it. It's just such a fantastic movie. Bob Clark um, insanity with that movie and and, uh, Christmas story, which I watched right after. So, yeah. I guess to end that, I just can't believe how good Black Christmas looks on Blu-ray. Like, I just, it, you have to see it. Uh, it right. looks really good. So that's the Black Christmas Blu-ray from uh, Scream Factory. From Scream. What else have you been watching? I finally watched Salem's Lot. Okay, let's hear it. And uh, exactly what I just said about Drill Killer. Same goes for Salem's Lot, where it's just like a film I've heard about. Seen, you know, the cover art. Always wanted to watch it. Finally did. Um, I was a little worried about that runtime, but it went by pretty briskly. And um, I liked it a lot, but maybe it didn't resonate with me as much as I would have liked because I'm a jaded viewer watching it in 2016. Right. Did that one scene scare you with the kid out the window? Well, that's like one of the like better, I feel like, moments of the film. Sure. Because you, ha- you have not seen this. I haven't, but I know right. all about this moment that has terrified everybody since they were kids and all that. Right, right. Um, by, yeah. the w- by the way, I know I'm a terrible human for have not, n- having not seen Salem's Lot. Um, there's this terrific bit where there's this kid who he's into like collecting uh, like horror movie toys and posters and his mom asks you know why are you like this when are you going to grow out of it and he says it's just the way i am and i feel like me and this kid i can i can relate to him so easy love the movie because you felt like a kid again it was relatable yes sure well yeah i i I need to see sam's law i have it on blu-ray it's just that three hour runtime is daunting and mr barlow he looks so damn cool that makeup of the vampire Yeah. yeah yeah i uh I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. That's good to hear you liked it. I dug it. Well, I have a quick one. Okay. If you listen to our Christmas episode of the podcast, I mentioned a movie called Jack Frost. Yes. Awful. And Terrible movie. I said I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. Barely remember it. Going to rewatch it this Christmas. Well, I did. I got the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Paid I spent, $18 <laughs> for it. I spent seventeen ninety-nine on it to be exact. And uh, this movie was terrible. It's awful. I hated almost every minute of it. Yes. And... It had its moments, but when I say moments, I mean seconds. Moments. <laughs> I mean, there is probably three minutes out of the whole movie that I thought was good, and the rest was just bad. And this isn't a movie where, you know, I, th- I was I was hoping, okay, uh, if it's a bad movie, maybe it'll be fun. Right. It'll be fun to laugh at, laugh with. No, I just hated it. Did not like a minute of it. So, Jack Frost, terrible movie. Terrible. Uh, by the way, the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray I got, it looks fantastic. I was going to ask you that. Looks amazing. You know, it's shot on 35 millimeters, so and it has all this grain. It looks fantastic. And then I have one last thing, which is I saw uh, In a Valley of Violence, which yes. is Ty West's new movie. Yeah, so good. only reason I'm bringing this up, I know it's a Western, but it's because it's directed by Ty West. Larry Fessenden. He's in it. It's, and it's not just like a cameo. 
He's like a full character in the movie. He's got a full role, yes, which is exciting. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's like it's great. it's bordering on my top ten of the year for just films in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like it's going to make it because ultimately it's it's not. It didn't amount to a whole lot, but I loved every minute of it's it. It's very uh, average Western storytelling. It's, right. it's just it's like a simple revenge tale. But I loved the dialogue, the interactions between the characters. Um, Tessa Farmiga. I love Tysa Farmiga. Tyson. I also thought Karen Gillan was really good in it. Um, that's her sister in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just cool to see John Travolta and Ethan Hawke and Tysa Farmiga in, in a uh, Ty West movie. And there was also like a lot of levity in it. Like it was silly. Yeah, I, we had a great time. I, I again watched it with my brother and his girlfriend, and we were laughing the whole time on the couch. Mm-hmm. We, I loved it. Yeah. So I guess I'll make it, I'll leave it at that because it's, it's a western. But Ty West's In a Valley of Violence is awesome. Just came out on Blu-ray, so definitely check it out. Definitely. Do you have anything else? Not of not that doesn't percl- not that doesn't you know relate to the list pertain to our list yeah i think it's time to get to our topic we're gonna get to our topic rather quickly this episode we are which i think is good because we got a longer list because we have a longer list that's right so let's get to it now it's time for our top 10 of So there was a couple movies I missed out on. They are, and I think you saw at least one of these, uh, The Greasy Strangler, mm-hmm. The Monster, mm-hmm. and The Mind's Eye. Joe Bigos. Joe Bigos. Yes, I've seen one of those. I missed out on quite a bit, I feel like, but at the same time, I'm confident. Any on the top of your head? Well, I did not see Eyes of My Mother. Me neither. And I uh, did not see The Wailing. You said Under a Shadow? Under the Shadow. This Under is a movie shadow. that I really wanted to see and missed. Apparently, you know, people were saying it's like, oh, it's this year's Babadook. And I think that's because it's kind of uh, similar in, in subject material. Um, and I heard it was scary. And I really wanted to see it but missed it. So I'd never Under heard about it until you told me about it. Yeah, I want to see it. Apparently, it's, a, I be, it's some kind of Middle Eastern filmmaker, which I, I wish I knew where it was from exactly. But um, that sounds awesome to me, but did not see it. Let's talk about the year in general. Sure. 2016. What did you think of 2016 in horror? I thought it was fantastic. That's why I wanted to do a top 10. Me too. We've always only done five, but I thought, man, there's just so much good stuff this year. I remember texting you and I was like, dude, I'm doing 10. Yeah. We were planning on doing a top five and Eric told me, no, we got to do our top 10. Yep. So now we're doing a top 10. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree, man. I thought this year was really, really good. I think I kind of feel like last year... My top five are movies I'm going to revisit a lot. Uh-huh. I feel like my top five last year, which you can revisit our episode, um, are movies I'm going to love forever and rewatch, and, like Deathgasm, for instance. Oh, I'm always going to watch Deathgasm. Deathgasm. Um, last year, It Follows came out. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies probably ever made. Do you so, remember what your number one was? It Follows. It Follows? Yeah. What was yours? Final Girls. Final Girls. And Final Girls is great as well. Love it. Bone Tomahawk? Yeah, Bone Tomahawk's great. Let's not... Worry about the past, right. though. Well, I guess my point was on that is that I feel like last year was better for those five, but this year had more films that were really, really good. I think the reason I enjoyed this year so much was because I was very active in seeking out uh, these movies. Do you think it had to do with recording this podcast? Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, this gave me the motivation to, to not sleep on these movies. Me too, yeah. And I was rewarded with great films. Easy was rewarded. Yes. So that's the year at I'm large. a dog. 
let's see. I've got a couple random topics here. Okay. For instance, uh, your favorite horror television show of the year. Easy. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Fantastic. Did you ever finish it? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, man. You sleeping. My favorite. You snoozing. Keegan, what's your favorite horror TV of the year? Keegan, what's your favorite horror TV <laughs> of the year? Uh, it would be Bates Motel. Okay. If I can't count uh, Stranger Things, then it is Bates Motel. Um, you know, Stranger Things didn't fantastic. even pop into my head. I don't think it's really... It has straight her horror stuff, but I don't think horror. it's straight horror okay. yet. Okay. Where uh, Bates Motel Season 4 I thought was fantastic. Uh, the fifth season is airing soon, actually, in February. Fifth and final. And it's final season, so I'm very excited about that. Bates Motel is one of my favorite shows of all time. So yeah, that's my favorite horror TV of the year. The person that I watched The Exorcist with, um, I recently told them uh, to fill this void, let me show you Exorcist 3. Any reason... <laughs> To rewatch well, Exorcist 3. How about, speaking of which, okay. uh, give me some of your favorite Blu-rays of the year. Okay. Exorcist 3, because we, we got the director's cut. Uh-huh. I'm going Salem's Lot, because I finally got to see it. Right. And Bubba Hotep, because that movie is fantastic, and hopefully that blue will generate new uh, fans of the film. Well, it's going to, because I bought it. Have not watched it yet. Planning so it. good. My favorite horror Blu-rays of the year were Chud from Arrow, oh, which yeah. I spoke about at length. Oh, you wouldn't shut up about it. Love every minute of it. Hills Have Eyes from Arrow. Yes. This movie looks completely insane on the Arrow Blu-ray, so Hills Have Eyes, it was in a box set. I love it. I got a, I got a question for you when you're done. I also thought Hills Have Eyes like not only looked better, but it made me love the movie more. We got gnarly releases, gnarly home releases this year. Uh huh. Who was your favorite distributor? Uh, it's such a good question. Well, let's go to actually... Let's add to that after my list. Okay. Uh, Return of the Living Dead from Scream Factory. Oh, my God. Loved every minute of Return of the Living Dead from Scream Factory. Uh, it fantastic. also has a fantastic like documentary, a bunch of great special features. I watched all of it, loved it. Return of the Living Dead so good. Uh, Absolutely. We got Return of the Living Dead 3 from Vestron. I was going to throw that in, and I watched it. And it was not it wasn't as good your first as time. I remember. No. It was not as good as I remember, but I loved it. Oh, dude. We're being Screaming so, Mad George. I know. We're being so general here. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But I'm making these quick. Uh, Black Christmas from Scream and Factory. I assume people know Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Black Christmas from Scream Factory, as I said. Uh, Chopping Mall from Vestron. Never Lo- seen. Loved every minute of this movie. Had never seen it. Finally got to see it in glorious HD. And it was fantastic. It was as good as everybody said it was. Barbara Crampton's in it. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. Love Barbara Crampton. <laughs> it's up. Uh, me too. It's awesome, man. It had everything I wanted. It had eighties music. It had titty. It had gore. It had killbots. Uh, <laughs> Why was, have I not seen this movie? It's great, man. Uh, Bride of Reanimator. Oh my era. god! I, I almost started clapping, but then you'd be like, "Oh, that's gonna sound <laughs> terrible." Recording. Bride of Reanimator from Arrow. Uh, insane release. Love that movie. And just to cap it off, The Burbs came out this year on Blu-ray, and now it did not have. It was released by Universal. It was dumped, if you will. But I don't care. Very happy to see the Burbs on Blu-ray. It was $10 from Best Buy, and it was $10 that I will love forever. Now, you didn't mention The Thing. You didn't mention I, I, didn't. You didn't mention I Drink Your Blood. Well, I also didn't mention Jeepers Creepers because I didn't want anybody to yell at us. You didn't mention Cat in the Brain. Cat in the Brain was awesome. Like 2016 was fantastic yeah, to be a horror it was, fan. Man. It was. Yes. Hopefully 2017 brings us good stuff. Listen, I hope, Arrow, we're not, I hope we're not here a year from now going, man. Arrow is putting out the house collection in the I UK. I saw that. It's up for pre-order. In the UK, they're putting out all four films. And we're getting the first two. In 2K. I'm buying the, the UK because I have a region-free player. And I can't wait because House 2 is incredible. It has Bill Maher in it. It has this caterpillar creature. I love House 2. 
Fred Decker, right? Wrote the first one. <laughs> I think so. It's Sean S. Cunningham stuff, right? He produced it, the producer of Friday 13th. Right. So those are our favorite horror Blu-rays of the year. And I have one last question for you. What is your favorite non-horror film of the year? I'll let you go first. Oh, easy. Captain America Civil War. Wow. Yours? You're that much of a Marvel fan? That Civil War was your favorite Dude, movie of the year. I just want to rewatch it. Well, similar, over and over. Similar to you, my favorite non-horror movie of the year is Rogue One because I'm too much of a Star Wars fan. Hello, my name is Keegan, and I'm a Star Wars fan. The you know the big fight when they're at the airport, dude. That left a smile on my face that probably lasted even after I walked out of the theater. How many times did you see Civil War? I've only seen it twice, but I'm ready wow. for a third viewing. Well, I've seen Rogue One four times already. Okay. And uh, loved it every time. But that's just because I'm a Star Wars fan. I take that back. I've seen it three times. What about, let me throw this one at you. Okay. Other than Civil War, what was your favorite? Oh, and I'll gosh. do other than Rogue One. Oh, gosh. I got a list here for this, da. But I'll just throw one off the list. Uh, the Nice Guys was a riot. The Nice Guys is fantastic. Um, if I could not pick Rogue One, I would pick a movie that may be controversial, won't be on either of our lists because I don't really think it's horror. Is Ten Cloverfield Lane? Yes, very good. Yeah, I know. Ten. Let me just get that out of the way. Ten Cloverfield Lane's not going to appear on our list because I didn't. And you know, I, I certainly know it has horrific elements, uh, but. Did not really feel it was horror enough to be on my list. But, yeah, that would be my second favorite movie of the year. Can I give one more that's not going to make anybody's list? Yes. Ghostbusters. No. I, I love it. <laughs> Loved it. No. Uh, yes. I, Bought the blue, sat in my living room by myself just laughing. I thought Ghostbusters. <laughs> I can't. I thought Ghostbusters was totally fine. I thought it was overblown how, quote, unquote, bad it is. I thought it was fine. But have not thought about it since I saw the movie. Easy seen it how many times now? Only twice. Not enough. But raring to go for a, th for a third viewing. I love Kate McKinnon. I love everything about her. I love her in that movie, but I'm never going to see it. The movie DeBarge again. dancing alone, man. Yeah, so man. good. She's the best. Um, so I think that's it for our topics. Let's get to, we're almost to the actual topic, but let's do our honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. And uh, I think uh, you should go first. Okay. I'll just throw out a few. What's a few of Eric's honorable mentions just did for my the toe top in, movies? Just, just dip my toe in 2016. a little bit in the water. Dip your toe and dance. Okay. Southbound. Okay. The other side of the door. I'll stop after this one. <laughs> okay. This one really surprised me. You don't want to talk me. about those at all? I can if you want me to. Up to you, man. This is your podcast. I'm, not, I'm, just, right. I'm just here to facilitate you. Um, nah. I'll just keep going. Give me the third one. Okay. And this one really surprised me how much I enjoyed it. Okay. I am not a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have not seen it. Tell me a little bit about it. Just okay. a little bit. This kid, he's got uh, homicidal tendencies, and he's working with a therapist to uh, try to work through them. Uh-huh. Um, he becomes tested when it turns out there's a serial killer in his small town. And there's something extraordinary about this. Serial, oh. This other serial killer, okay, um, that he decides he may have to go up against. It's fantastic. So it's like serial killer versus serial killer. I thought it was going to be like Dexter, but because of the characteristic that this serial killer has, nothing like Dexter. But was it better than Dexter? I mean, nothing's better than like season one of Dexter. No, I'm talking like John Lithgow after Lithgow season of Dexter. You know what? I'm gonna say I'm not a serial killer <laughs> is better simply because. It's shorter. Okay. It's 90 minutes and we're done. <laughs> Easy love short movies. Yes. All right. I'll give you a honorable mention. And that is uh, The Shallows. 
Yes. Love, loved The Shallows. Loved every minute of it. I'm upset I've only watched it once. I would like to revisit. I'm upset how many times I've said loved every minute of it. I'm surprised it's not on your list. Yeah. Because you're a Jaws guy, and so uh-huh. I just kind of thought by proxy you were going to have it on your top 10. No, it's you're right. I mean, for those that don't, that don't know, my favorite movie of all time is Jaws. And I love The Shallows, man. I thought it was awesome. And I love survival movies. I have a difficult time with them because, like everybody, but they stress me out. Like, I get so stressed out watching survival films, and I thought this uh, stressed me out sufficiently. A lot of people complain about the ending. I don't want to um, spoil it. A lot of people complain about the ending. I uh, I was fine with it. Man, after that whole thing, after 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 sitting with her on this rock, you know, staring. After smoking rock with her. I'm not sure that is what I meant, but after sitting in there, <laughs> after sitting with her on this rock, looking at Blake Lively for 90 minutes, that ending was a blast. So... Uh, the Shallows is an honorable mention for me. Why don't you give me some more of yours? Okay. The Boy. Which one? The one with the woman who's Lauren, also La- in Lauren uh, The Co- Walking Dead. La- La- Lauren Cohn. Yeah. It was, it's so awesome because it's set up as one thing and then it turns into another type of film. You know, I've been wanting to see that movie because- You haven't seen The Boy? Because I've heard about this twist. Do you know what it is? No, don't tell me, please. Don't tell me. Duh, watch The Boy. <laughs> I want Wow, you're, if you, if you're you, that you're if that you excited were my boy, boy, you'd watch the boy. I'm not sure that makes any sense, but uh, give me. Let an, me keep going. Give me another Stakeland one. Two. Wow. If anybody knows, love Stakeland One. Uh, it was great because it's those same dudes. They're back That's at awesome. it for more, and it was a sci-fi original, which was, was kind of ag- weird. And it was actually good. I can't wait to revisit. I think the blue drops next month. I'll give you one more okay. before you go on again. Sure. Um. This film wasn't released in 2016, but it had its wide release in 2016. Okay. Clown. Love Clown. The first 50 minutes of him like trying to figure out what to do is fantastic. Let me tell you this about Clown. I'll make okay. this quick. I genuinely felt for the man's wife uh, okay. towards the end of the movie. I thought that movie, for a movie that was supposed to be so funny and stupid, I thought it was... I f- it is that, but I also thought it was tragic, like her trying to help him, and he's just sure. like this insane pushing her away. Yeah, I I actually found it tragic. So uh, when the movie ended, I was like, "Wow, that actually worked for me." Really weird complaint produced by Eli Roth. We've I, I'm sure we've joked about this in past episodes. We haven't played in a long time, but Keegan and I, we like to play Halo. Yes, and there's like this Halo joke in the movie, and it's terrible. We got to remember it was like cringeworthy this that was, this was three years ago. But this, this movie was shot like six years ago. I feel like remember it's so Maybe bad. Well, let me ask you this: What a slip cover, huh? It's like texture. It's uh, yeah, I love that. You can kind of yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a great honorable mention. I really like Clown as well. Uh, forgot about it, but I like it. Keep going, um, What do you got? Another honorable mention for me. Maybe on your list. So I'll just say it. It is Hush. Hush. So I thought Hush was awesome. Hush is that the uh, Mike Flanagan film, Netflix original, Netflix original man. And this movie, uh, just we everybody kind of heard about it on the festival circuit, and then all of a sudden, boom! It was just on Netflix. And I remember me and you texting each other like, "Hey man, this this thing is out already. Let's let's watch it." And I remember talking about it with you, and just it's it's an awesome movie. It has um it has that guy from Ten Cloverfield Lane in it, so I felt like that added some uh some cachet to it. And I thought the girl. I remember I watched it first. And I was oh, like, really? and I remember like texting you that I was like, hey, <laughs> this dude is in it, and you might that might make you like it more. Yeah, and the uh the the girl in it gave such a great performance. I don't believe she's actually um deaf and mute, deaf and mute in real life. I I don't think so. Um, I thought she gave such a great, strong performance, like trying to trying to 
outwit this guy outside trying to get in her house. Great mask. I wish the mask was in the film longer. Yeah, Hush is awesome. Mike Great Fl- home invasion. Mike Flanagan. Let me say something about Mike Flanagan real quick. Say something about Mike Flanagan. I feel like he's making a lot of movies that are good, but he hasn't made like a fantastic movie yet. And I feel like this dude's going to explode into into like one of the best directors ever. So let's hope that happens. He's doing one of the franchises, isn't he? What do you mean he's doing one of the franchises? Isn't he the one that they're rumoring for Halloween? I have heard that rumor and that would yeah. be great. It's not confirmed, but you know, that'd be good. So anyways, hush. Awesome. What's some more of your honorable mentions? This movie is nasty. This movie doesn't make much sense. And it's got a terrific nod to Cannibal Holocaust. I'm talking about Baskin. That's awesome that you've seen it because yes. I really want to see Baskin and just skipped it. So tell me a, bit, a little bit about it. So it's these police officers. They respond to a call. Turns out the area where this call is coming from may be like a gateway to hell. So it's a bunch of nonsensical, surrealistic imagery that happens. And I don't easily get grossed out, but Baskin did it for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And was the gore worth it? Because I've heard some... The reason I want to see this is because of how gory it is. Yes, absolutely. And, I, and just I, how nasty it gets. That's awesome. I'd, I'd like to specifically talk to you about this scene that is a... Reference to Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. Which me and Easy both love. Yes. Uh, give me another honorable mention. Sure. The very serviceable 31. Okay. Yes. Uh, have not seen 31 yet. Still really want to. Um, I feel like if you have listened to this podcast, you know both of our feelings on Rob Zombie. I feel like I will like it more upon a second viewing. Did you purchase the Blu-ray? I, I tried to, and Walmart didn't get any on blue. Well, let me tell you this. I wish I had spent that seventeen ninety nine that I spent on Jack Frost. On 31. On 31, because I would have enjoyed it much more. I can guarantee you that. Let me give you one more before you go on. Let's hear it. The, I guess this is a genre, the babysitter gone crazy, Emily. Okay. Yeah, I've heard about it and I don't know much about it. There's some truly cringeworthy scenes. Uh, For example, there's a scene where, uh, so she's babysitting these kids. She finds a sex tape that uh, belongs to the parents of these kids and she makes the kids watch. And he was like, oh. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that was the premise of that movie. Yeah. Well, there's more. No, I'm sure, but Wow. You're telling me there's children in peril of some kind? Oh, for the whole movie. Well. Because she's crazy. Count me in because I love children in peril. All right. Um, that actually, um, no, I have one more I will mention, but why don't you give me a couple more before I get my okay. final one? I actually didn't dig this one too much, but it had Barbara Crampton and a fire-ass score beyond the gates. And we love Barbara Crampton. Yes. And uh, it was exciting because uh, the dude who like, uh, he was in Almost Human. As the dude who gets abducted by aliens and comes back and killing people. Yes. Jason. Josh Ethier. Yes. It's exciting just because he edited this. So it's just cool to see these dudes kind of all working together. Almost Human's awesome. Isn't that directed by Joe Bigos? Joe Bigos. Yeah, I love that movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I have one left. I got three more. Give them to me. Lights out. You saw it. I finally saw it. Easy yes. saw lights out. I slept on lights out for a wow. long, long time. I thought it was a terrific premise. I watched it with somebody and I feel as if, and it, and it creeped me out. And I feel like if I watched it alone, it probably would have really scared me. And just one thing about lights out, the kid who was in lights out uh-huh. was in probably my favorite horror thing from 2016. That wasn't a film that Wolfie's just fine oh, music okay, video. Yeah. A New yeah. Beginning. Yes. If you haven't seen it, uh, Wolfie's Just Fine is a band um, head by the comedian John Lajoie. Uh-huh. 
And he's got a song about the first time he saw Friday the 13th Part 5. Which is fantastic. And it shows this kid going through all these emotions of being excited and confused the first time he sees a naked woman. And then just how scared he is whenever Jason shows up. Um, Which we can all relate to. And uh, I like genuinely like like that song. And uh, anyways, cool to see that it was the same kid from that music video and Lights Out. Give me your final one. Two more. Two more honorable mentions. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this won't be on anybody's list. 31. 31. No. Uh, holidays. Hated it. You hated it. Hated it. The Easter and Father's Day segment creeped me out. And I thought the Kevin Smith one was funny. Which was what was horrible about it was it's like set on Halloween. Has nothing to do with the holiday. Halloween. And the last one. This one. Went over my head, but it was a lot of fun talking about, and I still haven't come to a conclusion of what's really going on in that film, The Wailing. Oh, okay. Awesome. Have not seen The Wailing. Uh, saw Holidays and was bored to tears by it. These these anthology movies that are just like, I've been trying to figure out a way to explain them, where they're just like a joke to get to a punchline, which is the final three shots of, of the anthology. I want nothing to do with anymore. I'm done with them. He's done! Uh, and Holidays was exactly that. Like, here's this premise. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Oh, here's the final five frames of what's going on. It's some big gore moment. Very tired of these anthologies that are like that. Now, having said that, love anthologies, but I love story anthologies like Trick or Treat or one that may be on my list. Uh, so, you're done with your honorable mentions. I'm done with my honorable mentions. My final honorable mention will be on your list. I'm afraid so this episode is going to be too long. You don't have to say anything about it. Okay. Uh, it's Train to Busan. Now, this movie, uh, I won't say a whole lot about. I thought this movie was awesome. I thought it looked expensive. I thought it was, you know, this movie's freaking sick. Having said that, just did not make my list. Didn't connect to me on a personal level like I think the rest of the movies did. But I thought it was fantastic. So, it's my final honorable mention, Train to Busan. And we can move on. Let me talk for a minute, Doc. Why don't you give me your number 10 out of your top 10? Well, I'm pretty excited, Doc. Because... Everything on this list I'm very excited to talk about. Okay. So I hope that we don't talk too fast or too loud. Uh, I know you will. But my number 10 film of 2016 that was horror is Ouija 2. Ouija. Wow. Origin of Evil. Okay. You know what? I thought this movie was awesome. I thought that Mike Flanagan finally made, I think this is his best movie he's made. He did Absentia, Oculus, Hush, and I believe Ouija 2 is his last movie he's made so far. He had two movies this year. Yeah. And I think Ouija 2 is like his best so far. I love that it was set in the 70s. It was a prequel to this horrible movie that I hated called Ouija that nobody saw except teenagers. I did see it as well. But it was not good. Yeah, and I just thought he brought this movie to another level. The cast is good. I actually felt for these characters. I remember sitting in the theater. I actually saw this with Wes. And I looked over to him about 50 minutes in the movie and I, and I looked at him, I said, this movie actually has characters. And he looked at me and nodded. And I, I literally, it was in the, there was this moment in the film that made me realize, like, I actually care about these people. And, uh, yeah, I cared about this family. I liked the mom a lot. The kid is fantastic. She's one of the best child actors I've seen in a long time. And uh, I love the 70s vibe. This movie even had cigarette burns as if it were actually reels of film. Uh, which it's not, obviously. It's probably shot digitally. It's projected digitally. But I loved that they were trying to, you know, elicit. Capture that era. Yeah, capture this vibe. It was funny because whenever like I saw it, filmmaking. I uh, told the person I was watching it with, I was like, did you see that too? 
Like, yeah. I'm not just tripping, am I? Like, that was there. And then it happened again. When I saw it, my, my eyes lit up because I, I was like, oh, cigarette burns. Awesome. So, yeah, we did too. I, I, I actually, there was a couple moments in the movie that actually scared me. And there's these, I don't know what you call them, but like these cre- the black creatures. These black things in the movie. Very creepy. They, I, I honestly, like, I thought they were very, very scary. One of the scariest things I had seen in theaters this year was those the images of those black things Now i don't think ouija 2 is like one of the scariest movies i saw this year but those moments actually scared me like i was kind of i was taken aback by how scary i thought that was and um yeah i just think mike flanagan is is headed towards making like a fantastic movie especially after hush which i thought was good and ouija 2 which i thought was very good my number 10 of the year can you believe that a sequel to a terrible movie ouija 2 which is called ouija origin of evil do you have anything to add to ouija 2 you know, I liked it, and I fell asleep during it. Wow. So I didn't even put it in, like, contention. Easy falls asleep during every movie I fall sees. asleep during a lot, yeah. I waste a lot of money at the theater. <laughs> yeah, kind of do. Okay, so that's my number 10. What is Eric Hoff's number 10 of 2016? Don't breathe! That, okay. Yep, is my number 10. It's exciting that we've got a fast-paced, kind of nasty horror film that went wide. I probably played in a bunch of theaters. I am shocked this is your number 10. It's my number 10, yes. Okay. And um, I imagine you're going to talk maybe. I will. So go ahead. A little more uh, about it. I guess the reason it puts it, I'm a little down on it, was I just feel like there's kind of like silly story inconsistencies where it's like, eh, you're really asking me to suspend my disbelief right now. And which I should be doing because it's a film. But I guess that's kind of what, May, I, I, far from hating it, it's on my sure. top 10, but maybe devalued it a little for me. I guess for me, and I'll talk about it soon, but what other movie are you going to see that's this tightly paced, this tightly wound? Oh, no, it's a fast and, 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and then also that devolves into such an insanity that I don't think any of us had any idea was going to be Oh, in no, this movie. I was completely surprised. It was in theaters, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about it more, but yeah, don't breathe. Yeah, yep. I love, love every minute of that it's movie. excellent. So, why don't you give me your number nine? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine is a movie that I think you're going to talk about. Lay it on me. And it's Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes. I thought this movie was incredible. Uh Just, um, you know, I always hate starting these with, like, negatives. I just thought it was awesome, very good, better than most of the movies I saw this year. But I was a little let down because of the hype. There was so Uh much hype around this movie. All of a sudden, it was... All of a sudden, at the end of the year, everybody's like, Autopsy of Jane Doe, Autopsy of Jane Doe, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Like, it, it's the best horror movie of the year and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The hype kind of got to me. And by the time I actually saw it, I knew that there was going to be a bunch of surprises. So instead of watching the film as a movie and just letting it play out, I kind of was looking for the surprises and waiting for the surprises. So having said that, I, I feel like the hype spoiled me a little bit, even okay. though the film was not. I had no idea it was going to happen. But I feel like the hype spoiled me because I knew something crazy was going to happen. Having said that, Autopsy of Jane Doe was awesome. I love both the dudes in it, Emil Hirsch and... Um, I love Emil Hirsch. Yeah. He Brian was, Cox. Brian Cox. They're fantastic in the movie. They have such a cool like chemistry. It's a dad and son that work at a morgue. I'm sure everybody knows what it is. And uh, they do an autopsy and insanity ensues. Yes. And yeah, I just thought it was awesome. I, I thought this movie was actually like insanely well directed mm-hmm. um, to the point where like certain shots were happening and I was like, wait, who directed this? Like, right. that's how good I was like, this is very, very heightened, very good. 
I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but this guy who did Troll Hunter. That makes sense, and I did read that. And I, Troll Hunter, I love. I love everything about Troll Hunter. Yes. So I'm not surprised that his second movie, yes, uh, sophomore effort, is this good. And that actually that excites me greatly for the future of that guy because right. Troll Hunter and Autopsy of Jane Doe. Are you kidding me? Uh, both those are fantastic. So he took some time in between those two films, like five years. It was probably like him transitioning to get an American film okay. because that movie wasn't made here. I think it's Nor- Norway, Norwegian. It's definitely foreign. So yeah, my number nine, Autopsy of Jane Doe. I think we'll, we'll have more to say about it, but this movie is just, it was awesome. I actually watched it last night and um, I watched two movies last night. And I can tell you're over here yawning, duh. Yeah. Well, I told, like I said in the last episode, man, my, my job has me very tired. But um, I watched this movie last night. I watched it along with Train to Busan and I liked Autopsy of Jane Doe a lot more than Train to Busan, but I thought they were both great films. But Autopsy of Jane Doe, fantastic movie. So, what is Eric's Easy's number nine? The Invitation. Okay. Logan Marshall Green plays this man. He's going to attend a dinner party that his ex-wife is throwing. She is uh, newly remarried. Uh, it's going to be at the house that they used to both live in so i'm already finding this relatable just because of like how awkward i imagine that would be right i'm awkward in any situation so i'm like already You're on awkward board right now just staring at me with this guy right so they get to this dinner party he's got a girlfriend now uh all their old friends are there um everything seems innocent enough until you learn the his uh former wife and new uh husband do have an agenda and then it just kind of descends into this madness, uh, if you will, that uh, just really had me enthralled with it. Let me ask you this. Um, how early, now we're not going to spoil the film, but how early did you figure out sort of at least tangentially what was happening? In I, I felt like right away, I was like, something is up. Well, obvi- Especially how they're acting. Well, and obviously it's a genre film, so we know something's going to happen. Sure. But like, I feel like very early on, I was like, oh, it's... Um, I better not say. Uh, I was like, oh, it's this. Right. This is probably what's happening. So I kind of felt like all the people that were talking about the movie, because there's a lot, like there's a lot of hype around this movie. I'll just say right here, it's my number eight. My number eight's The Invitation. Nice. nice. So uh, Eric's, it's Eric's number nine. It's my number eight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love this movie too. But it was not, I loved the movie not because like, oh, insanity happened and it surprised me. So like that, do you see, you know what I'm trying to say? Like the, the surprise is all of a sudden colored my opinion to be like, oh, that was awesome because I didn't expect that. It wasn't that. I kind of was like, oh, I, it's probably this thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it was. But yeah, man, you're right. That tension that's built uh, and that awkwardness and, and Logan Marshall Green's acting of just kind of just being there and getting upset several times throughout right. the film. I love it, man. I thought it was awesome. And it was cool how we got to just quickly see it on Netflix. Like it just showed up. Right. Is that exactly. how you saw it? Yep. Watched it on Netflix. Uh, super good. And then what's exciting is obviously we're not going to say what, but what does transpire in the film, you learn that there's like a larger yeah movement. Yeah. And it was just, it really left like an oh damn moment like on my face yeah. as those credits were rolling. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I, I think, well, I'm trying to think if I want to say this. I, I feel like the people, the way people are talking about this movie is kind of like, I feel like everybody thinks it's the best movie of the year. I did not think it was that. But I do think it was a fantastic, like, thrill ride. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the, a good way to, ta- to, to explain the invitation is, is, like, you're there in the moment with Logan Marshall Green's character feeling that everything he feels in the film, like you were saying, awkwardness, weirdness with your ex-wife loss. 
because something that's happened in their lives that grief, the filmmaker, which is Karen Kusama puts you right there. Like you, you, every moment of the film, you feel like you're there with him, I guess. Right. Well, that's the invitation. That's yeah. my number eight. Uh, so let's so do, I guess I'll do my number eight. Yeah. What is, I guess Easy's... eight is going to be really fast. Cause you just gave me your eight and my eight is a movie we already talked about. Hush. Well, why don't you tell me about, well, okay. So hush is your number eight. So that's actually pretty high, dude. Why do you like hush so much? It's funny as I'm, I, I'm looking at my bottom five and I'm like, damn, <laughs> these could have been the top five. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's also exciting that we got another solid, uh, home invasion film, but I guess that premise I hadn't seen before. And I thought that that was just super exciting because it plays into the story, you know, the the tactics that she has to use to try to fight off this man. She has to work with the fact that she can't hear her say anything. Right. Right. And so that was just, you know, super exciting. And then I just thought it was like a really tight, tense, uh, for a generic term, nail biter. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've already talked about it a little bit, but I, I thought like in a, in the same way that, that I felt like the invitation, it puts you there. Like, how would you react to certain things that happen? Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of that in hush. Like if I couldn't hear, and, right. <laughs> this and, is what I'd be doing. Right. And, and I couldn't speak. Um, I guess I'd already be dead. I, I definitely would be, but how would I react? Like, Oh, would I get a knife? Would I lock all the doors? Yeah. I think there's, that's, there's scenes where like he's taunting her. He's like writing things on like the front door. Yeah. Do you remember that? Terrific exchange also, between the two of them. Also something I love about- Because he can communicate with her that way. Right. Also something I love about Hush is the um, wondering who this person is. Uh, and I won't, I won't give anything away, but oh, you know, yeah. you're that just was... at, at the beginning of the film, I'm like, man, what, you know, who's this person trying to get into this house? And I actually liked the reveal. What uh, we learn and what, or what we don't learn was neat. Yeah, definitely. And there was more blood than I thought there'd be. So- I don't want to spoil the film because it's, it's it's a very short movie, which I also like about it a lot. Yes, sir. So that's my number eight. What is your seven? My number seven is, uh, okay, I feel like we're getting into the movies that I love. Like, uh, Keegan's shaking right now. Well, I'm very excited. Uh, my number seven is The Monster. Yes. Haven't seen it. You didn't see The Monster. <laughs> I didn't watch The Monster. I told no. you that was on I the- know. I know. I don't listen to you when, you when we do the podcast. So The Monster that is... is <laughs> The monster is Brian Bertino's uh, uh, first film since Mockingbird, and then before that, The Strangers, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, Mockingbird is better than I think people give it credit for. But I don't not, remember that movie. Duh. Not a good movie by any stretch. I just think it's better than people gave it credit for. And the monster is kind of. I feel like this movie is going to get him back to like he might be able to make one more good one, one more good one. And um, this movie's about he's got a little bit of fight left in him. You're talking the monster. <laughs> okay. Uh, the monster is about this, uh, this mother and daughter that, uh, that are having a hard time with each other. And she, the daughter wants to be taken to her dad. So they go on this road trip to uh, take her daughter to her dad's house because they're split up. And the monster is just, I, I kind of talked about it on the, on the podcast already. Is it more of a metaphor? It's what I like to call metaphor horror. Who are the real monsters? Who is, is the monster, this monster outside the car or the monsters inside the car? Or, um, Keen sitting across the table <laughs> or E-Doc. So, um, you know, that's what the movie's about. They get stuck on this road out in the middle of nowhere and there's something in the woods trying to get them inside the car. And there's a lot of insanity in this movie and it's, it's a ton of fun. But the surprising part about the film is there's a ton of heart in the movie. And I loved the relationship between the mother and daughter. It's very, they say it's not a good relationship, but I, I just, 
I sympathize with them. I empathize with them. I'm, I was very surprised that this would be Brian Bertino's film. Like after he did such a brutal movie with The Strangers and then such a kind of nothing movie with Mockingbird. And then for him to come out with this, which is, you know, almost similar to films like The Babadook or almost even it follows, you know, sort of a metaphor for um, something. So, yeah, The Monster. I thought it was awesome. Very, very excited to see what Brian Bertino does next. And uh, there's a couple good scares in the movie. I was hoping this film would be scary because of how good he was at being a terrifying filmmaker with uh, The Strangers. I don't think it's exactly scary, but it had uh, some good moments in terms of scare. So, anyways, my number seven is The Monster. What is Easy's number seven? Well, last week I had a few friends over. Uh-oh, this is not starting and, well. And... Um... I was telling them how we were going to do this episode. And uh, so I showed them a number of trailers. And I said, let's pick one of these. Oh, this is interesting. And let's watch this movie. Uh, for a moment, it looked like it was going to be the monster, but it ended up being my number seven, a film we've already talked about, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, wow. So the first hour of The Autopsy of Jane Doe is this terrific mystery, right? This woman, she has a bunch of internal damage, but no external damage. So that kind of leads the, how did this woman die? How did she get to uh, where they found her? Uh-huh. And then the last half hour just switches gears. It becomes a different movie. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. And I, when, don't, I don't want to reveal what no, it is. No, obviously I'm yeah. not going to say what it is. And when we learned what it was, I threw my hands up in the air and screamed, it's up, you know, because it yeah. excited me that much. And I feel like this was the lesser part of the film once we get the reveal more wackiness kind of starts going on but that that first hour or so where it's just like a mystery the father and son working together to trying to solve it i thought was just terrific i was just on board the entire time with it i think i agree with everything you said everything i mean i think i think the film as a whole as it goes and we don't want to spoil it like we said but um, I don't think the the end stuff is as good as I was hoping for. I was kind of hoping for some more, how do I say, bumps in the night. Because <laughs> it, it started to look that way about uh, 20 or 30 minutes in. There was some creepiness going on. Mm-hmm. And I felt like once the reveal happened, all the creepiness went away. I felt like it was kind of more of a um, kind of general horror film at that point. But all of the suspense and stuff leading up to this big reveal and this big moment in the movie, which if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about, I thought was incredible. And then once the reveal happened, I I went, oh, hell yeah. And then I go, all right, I hope this better be amazing now. And I thought it was just good after that. So that's kind of why it was my number nine. And I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler. Um, So it's this father and son uh, working in a morgue. You learn that they tie bells around the ankle of uh, these corpses. And the father explains uh, this was a old mortician tactic just because if the person wasn't dead, they would, hear the, they would hear the bell ring, you know, whenever the person got up and walked. Anyways, that gag is played to great effect numerous times uh, in the film. Well, as soon as, as, soon as he, the father says that in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, here's our, here's our here's a setup. Uh, gag yeah. for the movie. And that certainly uh, plays into the film. So, yeah, I totally agree, man. I thought it was awesome. I, I, it was my number nine, you know, Weeds at Two and then Autopsy of Jane Doe um, because I thought it was a fantastic film, but just, I don't know. I think the hype got me because uh, maybe I should speak to that now that you're talking about it is like I feel like the hype was so large that I was waiting for this. Honestly, blown away. Honestly, we're contributing to this right now for people that haven't seen the film talking about a quote-unquote reveal and stuff. And I felt like that happened to me where by the time I saw it, I'm like, all right, what is it? 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 Like, Instead of just watching the film, 
Do you know See, what I'm I didn't know that there was all this hype around it. Well, shout out to Shockwaves, by the way, my favorite horror podcast, but they, they, they hyped, they hyped the up. shit out of this oh. movie. So there is one horror critic I follow on Twitter that I like a lot, and he was talking about it. And his name is? John Squires. Okay. And Not Rupert Pupkin Speaks. And that was my motivation to watch uh, Jane Doe, or to at least put it on my radar when I was um, recommending what we should watch with these guys. And uh, so Did I, they like it? I think they did. Do they have names? Sinjin Leva and Andrew Castaneda. Hello. But I feel like that wasn't an issue for me. Like I, I, I heard he liked it, so yeah. that was enough for me to watch it. I didn't realize it was kind of this big thing in the genre sure, okay. at the time. Well, that probably helps you. And so I'm no, I'm in no way diminishing the film. I just feel like that played into my experience. That's all. Um, right. But yeah, I agree. It's awesome. Good stuff. Let's hear your number six, duh. Kiki's number six is a movie I don't think you saw. Keggy's number six. You know what? Maybe you did see this. Well, I'm eager to hear what it is. I feel like it's going to be a controversial pick, so I'll get to it now. It's my number six because notice it's sitting right out t- right outside my top five, uh-huh. and there's reason for that. My number six is Blair Witch. I fell asleep. How could you fall asleep during this And I've been tempted since Tuesday to go buy that blue. I have it. And uh, I think it's controversial. Most people thought it was okay or whatever. They didn't really care about it. And uh, I loved it, man. I, I talked about the film on the podcast. When I went and saw this movie, I literally... I left the theater thinking, holy crap, everybody's going to love this. There wasn't a moment in my mind that I thought, oh boy, this has issues here. This has issues there. You know, I can see them now looking back on it, but at the time I loved it. I loved it. And then I checked Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) as you do. And then I checked uh, Twitter and uh, yeah, people didn't like it. And I thought that was very odd. I want to like it because it's Barrett and, and Wingard. Yeah, so... Not because it's Blair Witch. I, I think my thing is I just... I really wanted to like this movie and I went in with like the most positive expectations I could possibly have. And I felt like it filled it. I felt like it felt like a Blair Witch film. I felt like it it felt like the next continuation of the movie. I feel like this is the movie we should have got as a sequel, not uh, Book of Shadows. And uh, I just thought it was awesome. And I thought towards the end of the movie, I feel like it's forgotten that there's this insanity... There's some playing with time that happens in the film that I feel like is forgotten. I think that's super cool. I think the last 20 minutes, a lot of people didn't like. I loved every second of of the final 20 minutes. I thought it was incredibly tense. This movie scared me. Like, I thought this movie was scary. And so to hear that you fell asleep uh, kind of shocks me. Here's my thing. Okay, so I get upset when I fall asleep in movies, right? So you're upset a lot. But I've decided it's not my fault. Okay. It's the movie's fault. You put me to sleep. Yeah. Well, I I don't know, man. I liked these people in the movie. I mean, you know, it it feels weird to gush about the film like this because I don't think it would be on anyone else's top ten. Um, I thought everybody was good in it. I thought it was cool. Like, like I said, the playing with time towards the end. I don't want to spoil what happens in the last twenty minutes. But I thought it was totally, totally gripping. Uh, I was, you know, tense by the movie. I was scared by the movie. I was, I was, I jumped a couple times. And like I said, when I left, I was like, man, that was an awesome Blair Witch sequel. And then I found out no one liked it. So anyways, my number six is Blair Witch, and I love it. I'm ready to like it. I'm I'm ready to give it another shot. I just think it's important to remember, uh, maybe now that you know what the film is, you'll like it more, because it's not, it's just... I don't remember that movie. Well, what is (laughs) Eric... Number six! What is Easy's number six film of 2016? And this was on the list for a moment, but it got bumped off. And whenever you hear what bumped it off, you're going to be like, no, you're lying. You're pulling my leg. But I'm going to call it the scariest movie of 2016. Well, this is exciting. 
The Conjuring 2. Oh, okay. So people know The Conjuring 2, right? <laughs> You're right. I don't think you need uh, to explain it. Yeah. So I watched it twice in theaters. Uh, I watched it once, uh, The Blue. I think we mentioned uh, maybe... This is your number six? This is my number six. Holy crap. You're 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 gonna freak out at my five. My five is loony as wait. hell. My, <laughs> I can't wait. my my top five well, is, my, is crazy. My top five is predictable. My top five is loopy as hell. I think we mentioned an episode or so ago that I had my copy stolen, but I got it back. And uh, I watched it at home alone on a oh, Sunday wow. morning. No, that and sounds it scary. Creeped me out. That, Specifically, the that scene. That old dude in the chair is very my house. That terrified me just now. I actually thought that was a lot of fun, the My House thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I went around screaming that for like a day. <laughs> <laughs> There's a particular scene where you learn that Ed uh, has a dream of the like big bad, the entity that's after them, and he paints it. And later, uh, Lorraine has a run-in with the painting. And it's such a well-done, just creepy fun scene i think what lowers the film just a tad for me and maybe this is just i don't know maybe not the film's fault but it's like more heartfelt moments i kind of were just thought were too heavy-handed huh okay i thought it was a little bit too cheesy cheesy for wow me. i yeah. uh like the elvis stuff i know I, that's one of my favorite scenes um, of the and year I, and i can see why you did like that yeah. but to me it just felt too on the nose, the mother complaining about them not having money. Yeah. Um, it just kind of felt, I'm not buying this sympathy. But other than that, man, such a fun sure. and good movie. Well, I mean, the Elvis scenes are my favorite. Can we talk about one more scene that I like? No. When she's in, when so, so there's one room in the house where all the activity is like centered around. And so you learn that all the neighbors have given them crosses. Don't yell again, please. Well, this isn't my house. Uh, Anyways, that's, it's just this terrific scene where uh like the main girl who's like being tormented she can phase in and out of rooms throughout the house and she phases into this room and there's this awesome like sweeping circular shot where all the crosses on the room slowly get turned upside down and it's just like sick <laughs> well i'm gonna talk about the movie again okay so, so but let me just say this about you were speaking so conjuring it, 2 is my, my my number six honorable mention i'm making that up you're speaking about the painting scene and I just wanted to say that is that's that that is James Wan working on James Wan level. That scene is like every moment of that scene you you can see him setting up this scare. Mm-hmm. And he's just the master at it. I mean, he's better than anybody working right now at that. At here is this in, intensely terrifying scare that works on not levels like most films do, which is just where uses audio or uses just some cat jumping out or, or even the scares that they think are scares. He does this visceral terrifying scares. And that's a perfect example of it is that scene with the, with the painting. So I'll talk about it again. So that's your number six, six. Give me your number six though. I already gave you my number six is Blair, Witch. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Give uh, me your number five. So we've made it to top five territory. So, uh, <laughs> my number five. Can you imagine if we just did top five? Those, those, that would have just been an honorable mention. Yeah, uh, that that would be stupid if Conjuring Two was an honorable mention for you. So thank God we did a top ten. My number five. <laughs> well, I'm about to get some hate. My number. No- come, come, top I'm, five. 
I might too, because my number five is a movie that I don't think will be near your list. I don't think it's a movie that that really anyone cared about. I I certainly know that people um, saw it and liked it, but I haven't heard anything about it since it came out. My number five of 2016 is Southbound. Oh, I loved it. I love this movie. It's excellent. I I want this movie on Blu-ray so bad. I love this anthology. It was one of my honorable mentions. Oh, yes. Okay. So anyway, Southbound, one of your honorable mentions. Southbound's my number five. And this movie's just awesome. I, yes. I when I saw it, I I, did, I I knew very little about it. All I knew it was by the Radio Silence guys, and then a bunch of other really good directors. And this thing just blew me away. I thought it was way way better than I was expecting. And like I said before, Kigi likes his anthologies to intertwine and to have a story and to not just be a gimmick. And I didn't right. feel like this was a gimmick anthology. I felt like each, it wrapped around. It wrapped around. It had great moments. And honestly, the best one in the entire thing is almost not even horror. It's this insanity of an operation. I was just going to bring it up. Where it's, this, it's a backyard surgery. This man is trying to save this woman. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And it's Don't the say anymore. most tense thing I've ever seen. Who did that segment? Oh, God. It's I'm... probably the best segment in the movie. Well, I can't remember his name, but th- th- this this segment of the of Southbound is... One of the most insane things I've ever seen, and it is so tense, and I just want him to save this person. I'll just leave it at that, mm-hmm. and I just want it so bad, and he he's just trying to do it so hard, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and it's very um, – this whole film is kind of hypnotic. It's almost dreamy. It's dream uh, – not really dream logic as much because the what the stories make sense, but you're still trying to figure out what's going on. It's very dreamy and very weird. Um, yeah, and I love the wraparound. I love that it all fits together. And I thought that uh, there's not a down segment in the whole thing. I loved it. That's that's what I was just going to say. It's exciting because we get to see like what puts this woman in this yes. situation. And also- and this, that's like the segment before. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you haven't seen Southbound, uh, you know, it's about this- ha- Essentially, it's like a haunted highway on anthology. That's what you need to know. And one of the segments- Heading south. One of the segments has this this girl in it. And this girl ends up- in another segment and she is this person this man is trying to save and i'll just keep it vague but um that gives us this whole other level to this moment where you want this story to succeed because you care about this character from this entirely other segment so yeah just fantastic love the wraparound love the movie um, I really wish this had a U.S. Blu-ray, and it doesn't. It has a U.K. Blu-ray, and it's region B. I am region-free, but I really don't want to get it. I don't want a region B southbound. So southbound, yeah, that's my number five. I, I feel like it'll be on no one else's top ten, but love that movie. So what is Easy's number five? You ready? We getting wacky. My number five. Keegan just made a grimace. I'm terrified. What, terrified. what is Eric Hoff's number five? I can't. This, this bumped. Okay, so originally we were just doing five, and this knocked. Conjuring 2 off the top five list. You ready? Conjuring 2 is your number six. You're going to say, no way. This is better than Conjuring 2. You ready? 31. But man, this was a blast. This was made for us. This movie knows what we like and was exactly that. I'm talking about Scream Factory's first original film, Fender Bender. Wow. Yes. So it is a throwback to 80s slashers. Uh, it's about this girl. Uh, she gets into a minor car accident. She willingly exchanges her contact info with the man who hit her. This man happens to be a serial killer. And one night goes to her house, stalks her and her friend. Terrific costume. 
terrific mask that the man wears. There's fun gore. There's a body count. There's an awesome scene when, you know, she realizes that she has the power to fight back. Uh, she realizes she can be this final girl. It's just such a fun, fun movie. Um, just for another example. So the car accident happens. Okay. He, he, he runs into her. Uh, she's at a stop sign. He hits her. She's real upset about it. He's being real calm. He's being real cool. He's acting like he's concerned. He puts his arm on her shoulder and he says, don't worry. These things happen. And she says, no, not to me. I just got my license. This is my first accident. And his eyebrows kind of peek up. And he goes, a virgin? Oh, my God. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, it was just exciting to see that he's got his next target, you know, right. mapped out. And just, just the idea to play with that idea of a virgin in a slasher film like that was so much fun. Well, it's, my mind is excellent. blown. My mind is blown that your number five is um, Fender Bender. Yes, Scream Factory's first original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, really wanted to see this. And I think you'll really like it. Well, I, me and Eric love slashers, and it sounds like I had heard it was an ode to old school slashers, but there wasn't that much hype around it when it came out. So maybe I'm just talking too much about it, and people just need to watch the film. But the scene uh, where they get into the car accident, this neighborhood that they're in i immediately thought the scene in halloween when michael is following following lori home wow from school i mean it just it made me want to watch halloween after i watched it and that's the biggest compliment i could give this film. well you should watch halloween anyway not that i'm wearing a halloween t-shirt but i am no man hey i'm in i'm yeah, in uh, I'll, fun, i'm gonna buy fender bender now and it's, add it to all the other crap i have to watch um, you got a big list of films i do that's uh all i could say is that's exciting that's yeah. cool. Fender Bender's your number five. Um, it was cool because I, I watched it uh, because I felt like I wanted to put it into consideration uh, for this list, but I couldn't just rent it. Yeah. It wasn't available on VOD. I was like, well, I guess I'll just buy it. Yeah. And then it ended up being like sick. Well, that's exciting. So, what you got for five? It's my number four. Again, <laughs> not listening to you. What is your number four? So, my number four is a movie you already talked about, but I will try to give my thoughts on it. And uh, I feel like this is extremely high for this movie. You know, I listened to Shockwaves. They talked about it a little bit. But I feel like this movie is just made for me. It feels like it feels like lesser James Wan is what it feels like because he produced it. And this is Lights yeah. Out. I, You know, Lights Out's my number four. And I know that sounds high to some people. I loved I, I've said this a lot this episode. I understand that. I apologize out there. Loved every minute of Lights Out. Um, it's tight because it's like 80 minutes. Yeah, it's super quick. You're in, you're out. And this film actually, <laughs> this film actually has, uh, uh, it's it's what I call metaphor horror, and I thought the metaphor worked well enough. And I thought, just man, uh, I don't know if I want to reveal her name's Diana. This creature, entity. Let's just say this entity in the film is absolutely terrifying. Um, this movie I saw in July, and I th- <laughs> a couple months ago, so it must have been November. I had a nightmare. Really? I had a nightmare about this creature, this wow. this entity. Now, I know it came out in July, and I, I had this in, in November. But, man, that thing is scary, and it's scary throughout the film. And I thought, obviously, this is based on... You had a on, nightmare four months later after yes, watching yes. it? Yes, I woke up in my dark room terrified of this thing. Wow. Um, very, very, man, this thing is scary. It's it's almost on the lever of cleverness of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Where yeah. it like, uses that yeah. idea of like something everybody has to do, sleep. In the dark. You know, my I'm getting goosebumps thinking about, like, there's this scene. It has, it's such a well-directed movie for this guy, David F. Samberg, I believe is his name. 
And, and I know, again, maybe to some people it's like, Oh wow. Lights out, man. Like I'm not making this up. Like I, like uh, one of my favorite scenes in the film is this neon sign blinking. Oh yeah. And into the room of this girl. Yeah. And did you watch it at home? I did. So you have surround sound. Did you just, it, it was this, uh, the thing is scratching on the floor. Yes. I'm getting scared thinking about it. Yes. And, uh, that scratching is so scary and loud like, and loud. And it's, it was, uh, in the, in the theater, it was, uh, in a rear speaker behind me. And, and man, this thing is scary. This film is, is expertly scary. I will say, I totally understand why people don't love it as much as I do because the metaphor is good, but it's also kind of heavy handed. It's, I would just, uh, ham fisted. It doesn't ultimately work that well the the metaphor which is about um sort of depression and maybe a little bit of alzheimer's probably more likely depression but i don't think that's ultimately successful but i thought it was good enough i'm glad that the film had heart and that it wasn't just like oh here's just boo factory here's also these characters we want to make you care about which ultimately don't work perfectly but i thought Teresa palmer who's the main character i thought she was fantastic her boyfriend was a ton of fun in the movie the kid i thought was good and um mm-hmm. one of my favorite gags in any horror movie i've ever seen i'm gonna reveal it here i hope that this isn't too big of a spoiler it deals with a gunshot you've said this on a past podcast. i did go ahead um, again though this creature this entity is running towards a cop and the cop is shooting the gun and the gun's flashing a light every time every time the, the, the gun shoots. And this entity is coming in and out of existence as the gunshot is coming towards it. Now, obviously, you can't shoot it because it's an entity. It's not a thing. But it's still flashing in and out of existence towards this cop. And mm-hmm, I just thought, mm-hmm. also, how often do we see paranormal entities actually affecting police? Uh, very rare. In Conjuring horror. 2. Conjuring 2, which is also, we'll talk about Conjuring 2. Very rare do you see an entity actually reveal itself to cops because a kind of a thing in horror is the cops come and nothing's wrong. Exactly. So loved that about it. Loved that that neon sign. And there's insanity in the basement with a ultraviolet light that I thought was terrifying. Love this movie, man. I mean, just thinking about it, you know, scares me right now. So I know that everyone else didn't love it as much as I did, but this movie is a Kigi movie. So Lights Out's my number four. What is Eric Hoff's number Four? Four. And I'm pretty sure we can all agree on this one. And I'm talking about Robert Eggers, The Witch. <laughs> Your number four is The Witch? My number four is The Witch. Tell us about The Witch, You're Doc. not, not going to believe. <laughs> just, I, just, I told you we are getting wacky. Just tell us about The Witch. Fantastic film set in the puritanical period. In a, the Jurassic period. A family is exiled. And it turns out there's a legit witch in these woods. <laughs> yep. Something happens to the family that the witch does, and it slowly starts tearing this family apart. It is, not too sure how I'd want to describe it. It's kind of slow pace, but there's a tension throughout the entireness of the film. Dread inducing. Yes. When I watched it in theaters, I wasn't comfortable keeping my feet on the ground because I thought something was going to grab me. I had to have them up on the chair in front of me because I was just like that tense. Tense. Mm-hmm. There are scenes in the film where it could have easily been like a jump scare or a boo factor, but it's not. And that's almost like worse because that tension never gets relieved. And I'm just sitting there waiting for something to explode and it doesn't. And I'm still sitting in a tight upright position. Um, and then just, you know, the theme of the film. Uh, Satan. Yes. Um, was fun. It was good. Yeah. It was great. It was creepy as hell. Uh, I as agree. hell. I agree. I'm not going to speak. As hell. I'm not going to speak about it now. 
Uh, so what was that? Your number four. Four is the witch. That's insane. I, I will be excited to hear what your uh, next three, two, one are. <laughs> films are. Keegan, what is your number three? Let's hear it. Your number three. My number three is a movie you've already talked about, but it's my time to speak about Don't Breathe. Yes. Don't Breathe is my number three. And this is, um, I think my top three films are so good, you could almost interchange them. And I mean even Don't Breathe. Like, this is uh, one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. And, and I would say it's almost not even a horror movie because it's almost more of like a suspense. Let's bring that up later, how you said it's almost not a horror movie. Okay. We'll bring that up later. Okay. I'm just remembering... You told me to include a film that I did not. We will discuss it soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don't Breathe is my number three. And this is, you know, everybody's seen it out there. I'm sure it made a ton of money, which is so cool. Eric already talked about it a lot. But just Fetty Alvarez, man. Like, this guy did the Evil Dead remake. And then this? I mean, like, are, are we serious? He's this two is, for two? Yeah. This guy is on another level. His films are not even really that commercial. I mean, they're almost like... You know, anybody that's seen Don't Breathe knows where this film ends up and how brutal it gets and how it treats its main character, Jane Levy, who I'm absolutely in love with. I think she's fantastic both in this movie and the Evil Dead remake. And this is just, you know, she is beaten to a pulp by the end of this film. And I think that is, I know that sounds... Misogynistic? Well, not misogynistic, but almost weird to be excited about that. But I love that the film has no problem... Uh, about going about, you know, just beating up its main character. Right. And it's so brutal and so, um, well, actually, he beat her up in Evil Dead as well, so never mind. Uh, maybe he just wants to torture Jane Levy. So last night, uh, I take Don't Breathe and In a Valley of Violence to my mom, and I'm like, hey, do you want to watch one of these? Both fantastic movies. And she's like, well, you pick. And I wanted to watch Don't Breathe again so I could, you know, have it fresh uh, in Let, my mind. Let's, let's do this right now. Okay. How did your mom react to that scene towards the end? Uh, Don't say what it is, but how did she react to right. that? Right. Uh, I think she just, like, said something like, ooh, that's gross or something, you know? <laughs> I think we all said that. Right. Uh, but what surprised me was when it was over, she was like, that was really good, Eric. Oh, wow. Thanks for bringing that. And I was like, so maybe... He was able to kind of tap into your non-genre fans sure. as well. And, and you're saying that's probably why it made so much money. And, and this, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. And there's, you know, there's a relentless dog in the film that is terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. I find relentless dogs terrifying. And this one was particularly scary. Mm-hmm. I thought like, even though the film kind of just kept upping the ante on like trying to get out of this house. I kind of felt like that was kind of a flaw for me. I never had a problem with it because I just thought the, and this was one of the things I want to say about it, the roller coaster in the movie just worked so well. It was so tightly wound that once I kind of realized, hey man, they're probably not going to get out of this house for a while. I was like, I'm in. Let's do it. Obviously, if they get out of the house in the first 10 minutes, we don't it have to be film. a movie. Right. So also, Stephen Lang's performance as the blind man oh, yeah. is just fantastic. His voice is scary in the movie. He's He, he looks terrifying. Has an incredible line of dialogue that I'm going to horribly misquote right now. Let's hear it. There is nothing a man cannot do when he acknowledges there is no God. Yes, which is fantastic and bleeds into our uh, witch conversation. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I'll, I I might end it here on Don't Breathe, but it's just so freaking good. And maybe the fact that we had no idea it was going to be this good. I like how it was like a twist on a twist. Yeah. 
What I mean, um, it was like, it was like, oh, dang, that happened. Oh, dang, that happened. Yeah. Well, I felt like, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at, is like the roller coaster just kept escalating and escalating and escalating and escalating. And I thought the ending was super fun. We don't have to talk about it, but like the way the film ends, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, hell yeah, this is, fuck yeah. I love Don't Breathe. Everything about it, fantastic film. Fetty Alvarez, watch out for him. Jane, Hopefully, Jane Levy's in his next film. Apparently, she can't get a job except for with him. But yeah, she's fantastic. And uh, the other dudes in it are great. Stephen Lang. And yeah. Kid from Goosebumps. The secrets in this film are... The kid from It Follows. Fantastic. You so, know what movie I wanted to watch for this list? But I, we didn't. I didn't. What? The Good Neighbor. Oh, okay. That's all. We can keep going. Well, that was my... <laughs> my number three was... My number three! Don't Breathe. It's a film we've already talked about. Okay, worried. Absolutely in love with this movie. Can't wait to have the Blu-ray later this month. Can't wait to show this movie to people. Train to Busan. It is this big action zombie epic with character. You know, it's like if World War Z was good, it would be Train to Busan. But Train to Busan is its own thing. That's a perfect comparison. Um, I, Yeah, I guess so if you're trying to acknowledge, like, I guess the scale of uh, Train to Busan. I watch it. I'm telling my mom about it. I get to the part to how it ends and I start crying. Wow. It was just, I guess I just really cared for these characters. And that last part is just so goddamn sad. Yeah. And I think that made me like it more that there was a dreary outcome, which is weird Mm -hmm. to say that that was, that attracted me to it. But man, it was so exciting to get a zombie movie in such an exhaustive, exhausted zombie world be so good yeah you know zombies are so played out they're everywhere video games tv comic books it was so exciting to get one that was fresh and exciting and in my opinion lived up to the hype the best zombie film since the battery the best zombie film since we'll say the battery battery. i can't think of anything else (laughs) no and i i want to say i like the battery more you're crazy but the battery is good (laughs) no the battery is amazing man yeah, okay, so Train to Busan. I saw it last mm-hmm. night. Uh, it was the second film I saw. I should put a disclaimer out. I saw Autopsy of Jane Doe and then went straight into to, uh, Train to Busan, which is probably not a great idea. But uh, Train to Busan's two hours, and I thought it was fantastic. I loved, I, had, I had no problem watching yeah, it. I had a day off, popped it on. It just flew by for me. Let me say this. Here, Here's my reaction to the film. Okay. The the It starts, and I thought, you know, I, I have a hard time. It's Korean, right? It's South Korean. Yes, yeah, so, oh, of course, South Korean. Um, I don't think anything gets out of North Korea, so yes, it's South Korean. I have a hard time with Korean uh, films, and I don't know why. I have a hard time connecting to them. And it's not because of the language barrier, because I love French films and Mexican films. and I agree with you. Yeah. And I feel like I'm always proven wrong. Yeah. and It's like, oh, I don't want to watch it because it's this, and then it ends up being, oh, shit, this is tight. Yeah, so uh, that happened here. You know, the first, it starts and I'm like, crap. You know, I have a hard time connecting with Korean films. Uh, here we go. And uh, within the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, hell yes, I'm in. This is badass. And then uh, 30 more minutes went by and I thought, this is freaking sick. I can't wait to see where this goes. And it was about the hour mark where I go, man, there's another hour of this. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. I thought the movie was fantastic. I thought it was good. But I don't know. I got, I don't know, I got bored. Uh, one of my favorite set pieces uh, in the film, uh, several of the characters are separated from the other characters yeah. by several train cars. And they have to fight their way, uh, each train car. And each train car 
presents like a new uh, problem that they have to like yeah. overcome. And that was kind of, I liked how it kept things like kind of, it felt fresh to me. Yeah. And it was just like constantly on the fly and yeah. It was awesome. I'll say this, the beginning of the film where they're all trying to get on the train stressed me out beyond belief. Mm. The fact that these <laughs> these zombies would not stop coming and they were just everywhere. I was like, how are they going to get away from these things? Then um, it's safe to say there's an outbreak uh, on the train. As that starts to happen, mm-hmm. I just couldn't handle it. I was so stressed out by it. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think I didn't connect to it personally. Um, you're right. I think the characters are good. I felt manipulated by it a little bit okay. by, by the end, there's some, uh, like you said, some sad things that happen. I felt like it was a little manipulative. Like I was like, Oh, okay, here's the moment where I'm supposed to feel sad. You know, I don't know, but let me tell maybe you why I still like that. Maybe I, wa- maybe I watched it too late because I kind of feel like that's his journey throughout the film. That's his transition sure. of being a, and throughout the film, he finally makes it to B. You're exactly right. And that's why I feel manipulated is when I see him at a, I'm saying through the course of the film, we see I him. That. But at, when I see him at A, I go, okay, this film is going to see him get to B. Oh. And I felt manipulated in the fact that it was just that, that journey, you know, that journey. Mm. Having said that, do not want to uh, shit on your, what is this number? This is my three. Number three. Uh, I thought this movie was awesome. My point is I didn't per- personally connect to it as much as everyone else did. That's why it was an honorable mention for me, but I think it's amazing. So I'm, I'm with you. Just not my number three. Well then, let's hear your three. Well, I already gave my number three. God damn. How many times am I going to do that this episode? I don't know. So we're into our top two now, huh? My number two is a movie we already spoke about, so get ready to hear about it again. Let's hear it. It is. I don't think you you and I are going to have one or two. Like I think our one and twos are going to be different. Well, your one I did not include, which we'll talk about. My number two is The Conjuring 2. Okay. And I struggled with my number one. And I and my number two off the top of my head, I don't know what your one is going to be. You do. I struggle with these two because I wanted I wanted Conjuring two to be number one. I wanted my 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 actual number one to be number one, and I decided on it. You know because I thought I think what you said about Conjuring two, I am there with you. That I don't think I don't think Conjuring two is a perfect film. Now almost no movies are, but I say that because I think The Conjuring is a perfect film, and I and I, if people don't think that's fine. James Wan is pretty much my favorite horror filmmaker. Actually, he is at, at this moment. Of course, you know, not, you know, Carpenter Craven. I mean, currently. And I think The Conjuring is a perfect film. I was hoping Conjuring 2 would be, and it's not. It does have its flaws. It gets a little, um, I don't I don't have any problem. My favorite scene in the movie is the Elvis singing <laughs> with uh, uh, Patrick Wilson because I'm absolutely in love with Vera Farmiga and uh, Patrick Wilson. So I love them in the film. I think it gets a little overstuffed. Um, by the time the film gets to beginning of the conclusion, it's a little overstuffed and it has a hard time coming back together. And I heard it was because uh, they did some reshoots towards the end to fit the film together. Having said that, it's my number two of the year because James Wan is a freaking master. And like you said, like the scene in the... Uh, with the painting is is one of the best horror directed scenes of all time. Um, I think it's fantastic. Valak is very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy is terrifying. I mean, who knew that just an old man in a chair could be that scary? My name is Bill Wilkins, and I am 72 years old. I'm glad that you say that. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. That scene where the where the the little girl speaks as him mm-hmm. is very it's 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 not a jump. It's scary. 
Like, I think that's genuinely scary listening to that little girl speak as him. And then the, the camera, they have to look away from him because right. this is, you know, this is James Wan working as a master and that's scary that they have to look away. And the film focuses on Patrick Wilson, but it leaves the background out of focus mm-hmm. and the little girl turns into the guy in, in the out of focus background. Mm-hmm. It's so creepy. I don't know. It's so creepy. So yeah, I think the film is very scary. I think, I think the crooked man's like one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, oddly, I thought that the crooked man would be uh, this film's Annabelle. Annabelle, exactly. Thank you. I thought it was going to be like, oh, the crooked man's going to get his own film. As soon as I saw this thing and they did the song, the crooked man in a crooked house, I'm like, oh my god, that's the creepiest thing I've ever heard of. This is the next film, the crooked man. Turns out it was Valak. They're going to do a film called The Nun, but Crooked Man's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, this film's just. James Wan is the best and the conjuring two is fantastic. And I just, uh, one more time, Vera Farmiga love her and Patrick Wilson. And I thought the family was good. So I don't know. Good scares. Great film. I'm done. I'm, I'm out of steam on it. Conjuring two. One of my favorite movies ever made. You know, I feel like I can't explain why I was okay with the sympathetic moments in train to Busan, but not the conjuring two. Well, I mean, I- I thought you were going to get at my issues with the film, which I already spoke about, which are like, I think it's overstuffed and the way it tries to fit it all together does not work. Um, you know, for instance, they, they're like leaving the family and then like, they like, she has this moment where she remembers Valak how to to defeat him. Yeah. I felt like that did not work, Mm -hmm. but that didn't diminish the film for me. It's my number two of the year, but I thought that's what you were going to say. And uh, I love the sympathetic moments because what you want in a horror film is to care about the characters. Sure. And I care about these people. So Conjuring 2 is my number two. Love the movie. Uh, What is your... Number two. Number two. Let's hear it. I can't believe this is two. Okay, so when we were originally going to do five, I was going to put this as number five out of a sense of obligation. And that's kind of funny because some of the themes that this movie deals with is like the dangerousness of loyalty when... Uh, two partners don't uh, give back the loyalty maybe one uh, gives. Sure. This film, let's hear it easy. What is Eric Hoff's number two? And then and then I watched it. Ghostbusters. And I was like, holy crap, this is kind of bad. But I have such a, an allegiance, such an affiliation to this franchise, to these characters. And to be with them for one last ride was like hanging out with some of my best friends. And I'm talking about Phantasm V Ravager. Okay, wow. It is so fan service. Uh huh. So, you know, if you're a fan of the series, I feel like you'll dig this. So, the series has always dealt with like being kind of surrealistic. You know, nothing's kind of ever straight. Dreams, yeah. And I felt like they kept in tone with that, but did try to offer a conclusion and this is supposedly supposed to be the last one and the way that it did concluded what I came up with in my mind I just thought was fantastic it just kind of really capped the franchise off in such a sweet sweet way like it put a smile on my face while possibly making me want to cry at the same time I watched Train to Busan and Phantasm 5 on the same day and and it was like I'm I'm just a wreck right now of, of emotions so it suffers from like bad acting and terrible effects and cheesy one-liners, but I just care so much about Phantasm yeah. that I was so thrilled 
to have a new entry in that series. Sure. Yeah, I've never seen Phantasm. That's crazy because yeah. the first Phantasm is like... Yeah, no, I, I'm aware of it. Um, he needs to be up there with J. Mike and Fred, the tall well, man. Let me just and Reggie. Let me just apologize to all, all the listeners out there. Yes, Jody. Seen. <laughs> okay. I got the blue, though, and I'm very excited to watch it. You got the blue? Yeah, I have it. Oh, dude. One of the reasons I haven't uh, seen it was because when I did finally... I'm like, okay, I got to see Phantasm because mm-hmm. everybody loves it. And this is years ago. I'm like, well, there's no blue, so I don't have to watch it. Um, I could have watched it on DVD. I could have rented it uh, from VOD, but I wanted I wanted to see this movie pristine, and now it is. It was you know did, they did a 4K restoration of it with Bad Robot and JJ, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to see it. Is JJ loves it. Uh, I'm a I'm a I love JJ. Let's and, just put that out there. And that new blue is excellent. Right. My walls were shaking. Yeah. I, I had to turn it down. And I'm I'm all about you know revisit revisiting or seeing a film for the first time in the best way possible, and we have that now for Phantasm. I hope. You can connect with it so late. Well, we'll see. Because, you know, like, I guess I'll I... report back. I guess, you know, I found Phantasm when I was still finding... When you, know, you were a wee films. lad. Yeah. And uh, I hope you like it, man. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, that... I mean, I'm blown away that this is your number two. I would... And I would love to, like, like show it to people. But I'm afraid, like, you won't get this. Sure. No, I understand, man. Everything I like is like that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of baffled this is your number two, not because it's Phantasm or that it's Phantasm 5 or any of that. I, I'm afraid to mention it, but uh, it was on, this movie showed up on a on a topic on uh, bladedisgusting.com. It was the worst five. The years. worst, yeah, yeah, the worst horror movie of the year they said was Phantasm 5. And that kind of blew me away because I knew fans had liked it. So that was weird. Um, again, Blade Disgusting, I guess not surprising that... Uh, who knows what they are anymore? Shout out to Blade Disgusting. I listen. I'm a I'm a Blade Disgusting reader from way back, but uh, boy, there's a lot of ads on that site uh, <laughs> and uh, controversial opinions. So, anyways, uh, your number two was Phantasm Five. Yes, very excited. I remember uh, like when it was announced that this was coming out. I remember tweeting like, "This is awesome that we're getting a new Phantasm." I'm so worried it's going to suck, and I'm glad to say. That I thought it was great. So that's it for Phantasm Five. Yes. Well, my number one mm-hmm. is uh, a movie you already talked about, and it's gonna be. I feel like it, it's gonna be kind of hard to to go on it again. Um, but my number one horror film of 2016 is The Witch. Mm. And listen, guys, it should be we, number one. Yeah, if we haven't talked enough about this movie. You know, what What else, what more is there to say? So I'm going to, I'll try to talk about it. But this is just, I never knew that I would go see a horror movie in theater um, that was, you know, a, a, a colonial time period. Time, piece. yeah, period film about uh, these people. And there's, it, it is called The Witch and there's there's barely witches in it. There's, you know, it. I had no idea this movie would affect me in the way that it did. And I agree with you on everything you said. I thought it was terrifying, but not in like jump scares way. You know, a lot of people hear terrifying or scary. They think, oh, it's going to make me jump. This movie barely does that. This movie is just dread inducing and it's firing on all cylinders with its score. Its score is so good. I mean, just listen to that score alone without the film. And I, I get scared just because it's so good. And so combine that with this insanity of, fantastic visuals and and cinematography that I don't know how they made this movie look this way. I don't know why this guy made this. I mean, I'm just, I was so taken aback by this movie. I saw it again as soon as I could. 
and it just blew me away. I mean, this is a mind-blowing movie that I can't believe was made this way. And also, I'm just going to say Black Phillip. I mean, one of the best things to add to horror, the horror lexicon, Black Phillip. Horror movie character of 2016. Yeah. Black Phillip. Exactly. So, you know, I struggled because I like James Wan and The Conjuring so much. Um, But I put Conjuring to it, too. And I was like, you know, which is is just so good. So, yeah, I have a Black Phillip t-shirt. What else can I say? The the acting, the uh, the dad. As we everyone talks about the dad's voice, the dad's voice is terrifying in itself. Uh, what what would we go down into the wood? You don't even know what he's saying, but it's so scary, <laughs> and it's just the tone and the way it sounds. And then the uh, uh, Anya Taylor Joy is the main character, and she's so vulnerable and 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 uh, I don't know relatable because she's dealing with problems with her parents and and not accepting her and stuff, and it's just. Wanting Amazing. to get rid of her. Wanting to get rid of her, which is so weird. Yeah. But um, and then the uh, the kid, the little boy who has, uh, if you've seen The Witch, this one of the most insane scenes I've ever seen that a kid acted in. I mean, I don't even know how old he is, but it's just it's just a baffling level of acting by this kid, this child actor. I don't even know if he knows what's happening in that because I do, as far as I know, and it's very adult. It's very adult what's happening to this kid. And, and he I, carries the hell out of that. He scene. carries it, and it's it's. I think it's all shot in one shot, which is it, with child actors you usually have to cut around their acting. This is all one shot, and yeah. So I think maybe I should sort of cap this. But the witch, man. I mean, this is very good. The best film of 2016 for me as a horror movie, and um, you know, I'm gonna make my top ten of the year, uh, which I do every year for uh, just just films in general. Uh, on my this site. is going to be your number two. And this, uh, this is going to be my number two. Uh, so some spoilers for that list. Uh, Keegsta.com, K-E-E-G-S-T-A.com. Go hit it hit it up. It's not written yet, but it will be. Um, and this is going to be my number two of the year uh, next to uh, Rogue One because I love it so much. So, you know, like I said, had, I had no idea that this movie was going to come out and just completely knock the horror world out of the park. And it did. You know, it's almost barely not horror, but it is because it's so scary. So that's it. I think I'll end it with Black Phillip. Black Phillip's the best thing to add to this year. And uh, the ending stuff is just so cool. And I'll never forget, I don't want to spoil it, but someone speaking at the end was so creepy to me. And I remember, this is the last thing I'll say, there's this scene at the end where (laughs) a character speaks and uh, the kids behind me, there were some teenagers sitting behind me in Roswell, New Mexico, of all places, and the girl said, oh, hell no, and got up and ran out, like, giggling and screaming because nice. she was so scared. And, uh, yeah, it just it just works on every level of the witch. I had some cholas in my screening. I'm not sure that is a uh, uh, accepted nomenclature, <laughs> but uh, t- that's it. So my number one film is The Witch, and uh, I hope that I didn't speak about it too much, but I love it. So what is an awesome film? I know what you're going to say, and mm-hmm. we, we'll talk about it. So what is Eric Hoff's number one horror film of 2016? The most intense film of 2016. And let me describe it before <laughs> okay. I give you the name. Okay, it's Anton Yelchin in a hardcore punk band in a minor threat t-shirt fighting Nazis. And I'm talking about the incredible The Green Room. And I think it's wild that people are not calling it a horror film, but people are okay with calling Don't Breathe a horror film. It is just so, what am I looking for? Tense. It is just so tense. Intense. From start to finish, I feel like with gore, I'm there to applaud it. 
I'm there to laugh and smile at it. But the way the violence is presented in this film is just so cringeworthy. It just adds to the stress level that this film creates. It is a ride from start to finish that I just feel like um, I'm down to keep rewatching. I, I think that let's talk about why it's not on, on my on my list very okay. quickly. Uh, I think the reason I wouldn't say it's not horror. I don't want to put it on my horror list because I didn't feel like it was a pure horror film. You're right. Don't breathe is similar. And so I understand what you're saying for me. Maybe don't breathe. It's just because it happens at night. I don't know because it's dark and has bumps in the night. I don't think green room has that. It's just an intense. Um, it's certainly scary what's going on, but it's not, it's not dark and, and, and bumpy and jumpy. It's mm. more of a, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think, you're correct in saying it's incredibly arbitrary to say that it's not a horror film. Mm. So I'm not saying that. I just didn't want to put it on my horror list. I felt like I wanted to have pure horror. I feel like Don't Breathe is at least close to pure horror. There's um, more like jump scares sure. in, in Don't Breathe, you know, where just like but, the dog jumps on the sure. window. And, and there is and, none and, of and that by no means, in the green room. After talking about The Witch, by no means am I saying jump scares make a horror film, but I feel like between those two, that would be why I would say Don't Breathe. You know, it's bumps in the night. It's It's... It's dark and stuff, so it's it feels more like a horror atmosphere mm. than Green Room. But I'm not at all saying it's not a horror movie. I did not want to include it on my list, but yeah. And Green Room is going to be on my top ten of the year for sure uh, of 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 all movies of the year. So I am absolutely there with you. So please tell me more. I and you just said this, but I mean that's a terrifying situation. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah. Uh, even if. You know, if I was in that situation, even if I didn't witness a murder, even just going to a venue that's ran by oh, fucking yeah. neo-Nazis, that's scary enough, <laughs> let alone yeah. when you're thrust into this situation where now they're wanting to kill you. Yeah, what this what this director has gotten out of me, Jeremy Saulnier, he did uh, Blue Ruin, mm-hmm. and then this, and I feel like his matter-of-fact way of portraying violence is, I would almost say, dangerous. Like, I can't even fathom... Uh, he the way the violence is handled in Blue Ruin, but let's talk about Green Room. The way violence just happens, it's so matter of fact. Like it's not there's no there's no, I don't even think there's any music cues or score as the violence right. is occurring, and the, it's just it's just happening and it and you almost feel like oh that's what it's like in real life. Mm-hmm. Like if if some horrible action happened to my arm and hand, it would happen like that. And there's something so viscerally scary about that. So I'm absolutely with you on that. I mean, the violence is is insane. Yeah, man, this movie's, you know, I, I've said it a lot. Obviously, it's our top 10, so I like the films. This movie's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mind-blowing. And then just the fact that uh, Anton is in it. Your boy. We've discussed plenty of times how much we both enjoy Anton. And uh, I think it's terrific that, you know, one of his last projects would be such an incredible yeah. movie. I, you saw it. I mean, I'll just say it. You saw it before he passed. Mm-hmm. I saw it after he passed. I wish I could have seen it before he did. Mm. Because when I saw it, it was actually the first Anton Yelchin film I had seen since he passed. And I feel like that colored it a little bit for me. Again, it's going to be on my top 10 of the year. So it's not that. But I I wish I could have seen it the way you saw it. And, well, I guess I shouldn't wish anything. I wish he wasn't gone. So (laughs) it's it's absolutely horrible no matter what. But um, I find it interesting that we saw it at different points of of that situation right but yeah it's so sad he's gone but you know he green room everybody in it's so good like i mean patrick stewart is uh is so you know terrifying in the movie 
and and you're right that situation i mean i was kind of talking about it with um it's kind of similar as to what i was saying about the invitation is like what would you do in that situation how would you react to it and you feel like you're there with those characters as they're heading into this this uh neo-nazi club and like you said just that situation alone is terrifying yes let alone what they get themselves into and you know just seeing all those dudes and i don't know i don't know if we sound like pussies but that's fucking scary that'd be terrifying yes. I, I would not be attending shows <laughs> no i would not go to that but you know i was talking about the violence as being matter of fact and i i also just want to quickly mention how the plot happens so ma- matter of fact you know they matter of factly go into this this bar and they just kind of look around and they're like wow this is this is crazy but let's play and then they play and then they matter of factly witness this horrible crime which is the thrust of the film and i just i don't know the way this guy directs movies is is very I mean, I think everything he makes is going to be great because of how good they are. And yeah, yeah, this and Blue Ruin, man. So what else about Green Room? This is like your favorite movie of the year, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm usually at a loss for words of things I like the most, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so your number one was The Witch. The Witch. My number one was The Green Room. Yep. That would make for a hell of a double feature, even though they have nothing in common. <laughs> I was going to say, an incredibly interesting double feature at that, yeah. but it would be, I mean, they're they're both... Such good movies, and I think it's just such a... That's exciting that they were, those were both... Well, Green Room wasn't, but they were both available in theaters yeah. at one point. Yeah, so that's you, exciting I can't, that you got both. to see Green Room in theater, didn't you? Uh-huh. I watched it at an Alamo. Draft House, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of how, to, how to recap this year. I mean, I think those two films... They're incredible when you think I, about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how good they are for this, this year, and... and I think like the top three or four films that I have, which are The Witch, Conjuring 2, uh, and Don't Breathe, are are right there with any other year, mm-hmm. you know, and probably better than than any other year. I'm gonna say this year was better than last. I can't I can't rule on that now, but yeah, it's 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 good, man. So, so hell of a year for 2016. Let's recap our list very quickly. Okay, uh, I'll go first. My number ten was Ouija Two or uh, Origin of Evil. My number nine was Autopsy of Jane Doe. My number eight was The Invitation. My number seven was The Monster. My number six was Blair Witch. My number five is Southbound. My number four is Lights Out. My number three is Don't Breathe. My number two is Conjuring 2. My number one is The Witch. What is yours? Going from 10 to 1, I had Don't Breathe, The Invitation, Hush, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, Conjuring 2, Fender Bender, The Witch, Train to Busan, Phantasm Five, and The Green Room. Can't believe you had Fender Bender. That excites me, man. I can't believe I have Phantasm Five. <laughs> That's two. so weird. Um, Told you I got wacky. That was our top ten horror films of 2016. I had a lot of fun working on this episode. Yeah, I did too. And uh, oh, I do have a quick topic that I forgot to do. So you ready? So thank you so much for listening to our list. I have one extra fun thing. The worst horror movies that I saw of 2016. I have two of them. They're very simple. They both start with the, and it's The Forest. Oh. This movie with, um, I don't know, Game of Thrones. What the hell's her name? Wes, help me out. Natalie Dormer? Oh. Wes is going to kill me. Uh, Anyways, The Forest. Terrible movie. Hated every minute of it. I did not watch it. <laughs> and, and and what I can definitively call the worst horror film of the year that no one saw. It was a Blumhouse tilt film. And it is called The Darkness. This movie has Kevin Bacon in it. I think Rada Mitchell is the wife. 
And it's about like their autistic child that like summons some kind of Native American spirit that haunts their house. And this movie sucked. In a world where I saw Shut In this year with Naomi Watts, which is a movie everyone hated and is not very good, pretty bad. The darkness is fucking terrible. So don't watch The Darkness and The Forest is very bad. second F-bomb of this episode. Not enough, right? So those are the two worst horror movies of the year, The Forest and The Darkness. Not surprising by their stupid titles. And I think that's it. Solid list. Solid list. Are we finally going to do on our next episode, Found Footage? (laughs) We've been putting it off for two episodes. We've put it off for two months, so. I think we should definitely finally do our Found Footage episode. I've, I've had my list made for months. Keegan's always more ready than I am. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for listening out there. We got quite a bit of feedback on our last episode. And we just want to say, you know, we're two dudes sitting in a kitchen uh, speaking into microphones, assuming no one listens. So uh, hello, all of you that that hit us up. And, you know, at the horror nerd, Brian, thanks for uh, telling us you listen because we assume. Oh, his list. He sent us his top five. Let's go through right now. Let's hear it. At the Horror Nerd, sent us on Twitter. He sent me his top five. Uh, his number five was Hush. We agree. His number four was Autopsy of Jane Doe. We agree. His number three was Lights Out. I absolutely agree. His number two was The Conjuring 2. Synergy. Sounds like you and the Horror Nerd are best friends. I know. He, we have the exact same uh, taste. His number one was Don't Breathe. Nice. So, hey, man. I totally agree with you. I love great, all those great movies, picks, especially those top three. Don't breathe conjuring two and lights out. I'm right there with you. So anyways, thanks at the horror nerd. His name's Brian. We really appreciate you hitting us up and Absolutely. You know, anyone else give us feedback and where can you give us feedback, Eric? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ghoul squad FM. If you want to pick one, hit us up on Instagram. We're super active on there. We post a bunch of pictures of Blu-rays we watch and all types of stuff. Our next episode should be our top five found footage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode of The Ghoul Squad. Kiki and E-Dog will return in The Ghoul Squad. Top five found footage. Goodbye, everybody. Move it, 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 move it,